Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Thank God for the opportunity to be able to speak this morning. I appreciate the opportunity. Don't take it lightly. And uh, just thankful that the Lord allowed it. And our pastor uh, asked me to, so I appreciate that. And you pray for them that they have a restful and relaxful time enjoying the Florida sun. Isn't that rough? Well, if you experienced this last week, we've experienced the sun and warmth. And we've also experienced the cold and even some snowflakes. I feel like I saw it at some point or another in the week. Are you with me? Yeah, it's been all over the place, hasn't it? But uh, that's okay. We'll not be all over the place today. We'll be writing the Word of God. And so if you take the Bible and turn with me to the New Testament, the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3, and just turn there if you would, and then we'll go to some verses in just a matter of moments. I appreciate uh, you being here today. And it's always better to look out at a crowd that's here rather than a crowd that's not here. And uh, so I see these pews empty throughout the week, and I'm so glad they're not empty on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And uh, you come back tonight for connection groups over in the other building. encourage you to be here. If you're not uh, used to coming, just come and join us. We'll take anybody, everybody. And uh, we'd love to have you over in the other building. But uh, today we'll look at this passage of Scripture, Philippians chapter 3. How many of you have heard the term, let's go? You heard that term? Yeah, all right. So I'm not talking about a destination when you tell your kids, hey, let's go. We're, we're late. Hey, let's, let's, we're, we've got to get there. Um, and that's a term that has been used. Of, let's go. Let's, let's go someplace and let's get somewhere. Um, and it's time to, time to leave. But uh, there's a, also a different meaning that's kind of taken on in the last 20 or so years about let's go. Like, come on, we're, we're heading now for a winning victory. And it's, it's more like a, a cheer and excitement. It oftentimes comes with a yell, almost, you know, you were losing, but now you're winning. Let's go. You with me? You might have seen in the March Madness that's taking place. I realize there's about three teams in New Jersey that have just pulled some upsets. And you know what I, I saw and I heard? Let's go. Today I want to say, let's go. And you're on the winning side, and, and we're able to celebrate. We have victory, and we've gained victory through Christ. And uh, just these two words, let's go, is the title of the message this morning. And I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. But there, we have a lot to rejoice about. And uh, we've come, we're going we're gonna to come back, and, and God's going to come back for us. And there's going to be a coming back, and it's going to take place. And uh, pulling away, we're going to take the lead, and we need that forward push and the move, and we're pressing on. The idea that something good or even great is being accomplished. Let's go is, is an exclamation that the Major League Baseball players, uh, they say this about it. They say in Spanish, vamos, right? Or in English, let's, let's go. And it's just kind of come out as two words that are simple to say because they're taking the lead or they're getting an adrenaline rush. They're trying to get the rest of their team on board. They're trying to get other people motivated. And it's told that when they say let's go that they run harder. They go stronger, and it's almost as if something inside of them wells up to go, go more motivated and deeper and, and a battle cry, in essence, and it gets them amped up. And it's easy to say for celebrating time, and it comes natural. 
and he gets the rest of the team fired up, and it's really portraying an action that's taking place. I mean, the, the basketball just made into the, through the net, and it could have been the winning shot, or it could be the shot that just pulled the lead in front of the other team, and maybe it's a major comeback. You know, the rally hats are on, and all these things. The idea is you're cheering yourself on. Hey, David had a bad day. In 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says he was not having a good day. He says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But notice this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. It's almost like David was saying, Man, this is, this is no good, but I have God, and so it is good, and I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. Let's go. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians similar words, just like the words, let's go. Would you notice them with me, please? Verse 12, Philippians 3. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Philippians 3, verse 12, if you would. And verse 12, it says, Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press, that kind of sounds like let's go, toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Amen. Great verses, powerful message from these words of God that God has given to us and used an instrument, a man by the name of Paul, to write these words for us today. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord God, I pray that you'll help us right now. I need your help, and I pray that you'll give us guidance and direction on uh, what's to be just laid out from the Word of God. I pray that they will see today you more than anybody. And Lord, look past anything or any distractions that could come into our, our mind. May our heart be in tune with what you have for us from this passage. Thank you for the Word of God and the book of Philippians. Thank you for this chapter. I pray you'll speak to me once again from it. And speak to these today that have come. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You notice those words, press toward. You notice the words, reaching forth. You notice the words, follow after in verse 12. You notice the words, verse 10, know him. You see those words, but do you see the word press in verse 14? Press to pursue, to seek after eagerly. It's to earnestly endeavor. It's to acquire after. It's in order to catch a person. It's uh, to run after it. It's a pursuit. It's to follow closely. It's a, pra a passion strongly expressed. It shows a direction you're headed. I'm pressing. There's that word. On the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on Canaan's table land. Why? Because a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. My heart has no desire to stay. To stay. In the same place it is, to not be content, but, but, but to be motivated to move on and to, and to do something great for God, where doubts arise and fears dismay, though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I propose to you this morning this exhortation from God's Word from Paul 
is saying, let's go. He's saying, pressing on, he's driving, motivated, he's excited. He says, it's almost like it's being said like this. You've heard this statement, keep on keeping on. Go forward. Because you can be confident that God is up to something. And he's always up to something. I don't know about you, but I don't always feel like that. My feelings can be fickle. Your feelings can be fickle. And that's why we're not to base what God is doing in our life on our feelings but on what God is doing in our life, and he's still at work. Be confident, Philippians 1, 6, you'd, you'd find that verse, be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Hey, God's at work. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. God is performing a work in you, and he's not done. Hey, if God's not done, why are we going to be done? Why should we be done with God? We should not be. We should do some more for God. It's exciting. Let's go. You know, there's times I wonder if God's at work, but that doesn't matter. He's at work. Whether I wonder about it or not, He's always at work. There's times where I get in on His work in my life and the lives of others. That's exciting. Let's go. There's times where I might only just get in on a glimpse of His work. That's okay. He lets me know what I need to know from His Word, and, and He's spoken to me through His Word, and He'll continue to speak to me through His Word if I get in it. That's key. And there's times where God speaks loud and clear, and it's almost as if, you know, I got it under control, I'm going to take care of it, everything's fine. Man, those are wonderful moments. Those are let's go moments. But you know what? God is sometimes just content to work behind the scenes because He does know best for our lives. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So with these things in mind that God knows best and he's working behind the scenes and sometimes it's loud and clear and those are exciting moments and let's go moments, but sometimes he's just working and we don't even know that, it, and we know, but we don't see his hand, but we can see, see his heart in the matter and, and he tells us that he's at work and we know that all things work together for good. But man, it's hard to see how those things are working together for good, but we know that God is at work always up to something, something good in our life. And so... With that in mind, let's go, number one, with safety in following the truth. Let's go. Please notice a way that we can say let's go is, number one, we're going to find safety in following the truth. Verse 1, you see what it says in Philippians 3. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you, it is safe. For you it is safe. Paul was saying it's going to be safe for him to write these things to the Philippians because he believes that they're spiritually mature enough to handle what he's going to say to them in the following verses. Because verse 2 is not going to go the way verse 1 is going. Rejoice in the Lord. He's going to say, verse 2, beware. I don't know about you, but when I see a sign, beware, we need to beware and not go past that point of a line, because beware, something else is going to take place past that. If I go past that point, then there's danger. Then there's something that's probably going to come out and maybe get me. He says, beware of dogs. He's not talking about physical dogs. We'll get there. But he's saying, beware. Safety, but there's only safety when you're following the truth. And safety is key to follow the truth, to, to have safety. There's going to be the following the truth to take place in your life. And these are for you and for me. It says these same things to you, Paul is saying, same things. That, man, it's like he's repeating himself. It's like repetition is the key to learning. 
It's almost like he's going to say some things he's already said. And it's almost like the, the old is still going to be good. And the truth is still going to be okay. And he wants the truth to not just be heard again, but to be heeded. And to be not just received, but to be walked. And not just be taken, but to be given so that something is done with it. Because what good is truth if it's not acted upon? Anybody can have a Bible. Anybody can have, have truth given to them. Anybody can, can hear the gospel, but you've got to take it for your own and for yourself to know what it's like to be able to follow the truth. You've got to take the truth. And these same things, man, he's going to write the same things to, to them. And there's some of the thing, things they've heard before and they've had it in the past, but he sees the good of them hearing it once again. And get this, please. Paul believes that if they will take it and do something with it, then it's going to matter because he's writing to them again. And he's saying, I'm going to write the same things to you, and it's not grievous, but it's actually for you. It's going to be safe because you're spiritually mature enough to handle it. And they're for you. You know, in the Christian life, I think it, even in, in the life that we live, whether we're Christian, if we're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, there's things as well that come into play with this. But you have the Word of God as a Christian. If we're not careful, man, just give me another message. Man, what, how, can you, how can you give me something new today, preacher? I plan to give you something old. Because the old is still good. And the old book still works. And I'm thankful that we have a pastor that opens up the Word of God every week. And the old still has a way of affecting us and a way of, of not returning void. Praise God for that. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for leadership that opens up the Word of God and shares it with us. And I'm not careful. You know what's going to happen? I'm not careful. I can just skip over things. I can just not receive. I can just totally look over things. I can become very accustomed to just hearing. And I can be comfortable in my padded pew. Man, there's some things that, that I think, man, I've already heard. Man, what good is it going to do to hear, hear them again? It's going to do me a lot of good if I don't just hear them again, but I do something with them. And so safety is in following the truth. So Paul is saying, man, it's good for you to have this truth. I'm going to give to you. There's going to be some safety that comes with it. You know, we should be more stirred about Scripture than we should ever be about any story that's ever read or any story tale or any fairy tale because this is not a fairy tale. This is not just another storybook. Man, the Word of God is, is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing the Word of, word of God. And I, I, I'm so thankful for the truth. The real truth and nothing but the truth is worthy of believing. I don't know if you know Justice Clarence Thomas, but he said this. I like it. You can be in the middle of a hurricane or you can be on a calm day. North is still north. You can be in a thunderstorm. North is still north. People can yell at you. North is still north. It doesn't change fundamental things. And he says he's a, he's a justice, a judge. In this business, right is still right, even if you stand by yourself. See, truth is always truth. Yeah. You know, as a young person, as a child, many of you could testify to this. You started singing the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone in the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And I wonder this morning that it's not just taken as a young child, but even into the older age, will we be willing to stand upon the Word of God? Because I can tell you, and you know this as well as I do, I believe it's going to get tested. I believe we're going to get tested. And I know the Word of God is going to stand true. 
will we stand true? And the truth endures forever. I'm so thankful for that. But will we be able to say, yes, that's the book for me, and then stand on it till our older age? One man said it this way, we are not free. We are not free to tamper with Scripture. We are not free to rewrite the Bible. Catch this, please. We're not free to accommodate to godless perspectives. Have some of that in our world today, don't we? He went on to say, in this arena right now, the 21st century, even within the framework of the church, there's an increasing danger that those who should know better are losing their convictions. Not more about issues in the world, but starting with the authority of the Bible. And that is the issue that leads to all other issues. The devil says this, and he continues to say it. Yea, hath God said? He questions it. And the lie is believed over and over again. And by the way, the devil uses the same tool out of the toolbox because it keeps on working. And he keeps on questioning the Word of God, and he keeps on questioning God's Word and the authority of God. And it's interesting that the devil continues to use it because he gets so many casualties with it. That's the reason he keeps on using it. Hey, Paul is saying your safety is not only dependent on what I'm just saying, but, I, but I'm, giving, I'm going to give you the truth. You know some things about the truth. The truth only does as much good as is acted upon. The truth does as much good as is acted upon. Psalm 26 says, For thy loving kindness is before me, mine eyes is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. You know this if you're a parent. Truth brings safety if the safety of the truth that it was just given to you is applied. You tell your child to not touch the stove and they still touch it. Well, they're burnt. There was truth. There was safety that could have been provided to them, but they went not along with it. They went against it. My parents used to say this, that there's an umbrella of protection. And stay underneath that umbrella of protection. And if you stay underneath that umbrella of protection, you won't get pelted with all these other elements. And that was good advice. See, those who know the truth, really love the truth, will act upon the truth. Speaking to a young person in Proverbs 23, it says this, 23, 23, buy the truth, buy it, sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Another thing that truth does, it becomes a safeguard against falsehood. And we're talking about the truth. The truth. Psalm 40, verse 11, Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. You know what the truth does as well? It not only does as much good as acted upon, it not only brings a safeguard against falsehood, it will also keep from deception and lies being believed. Because you know they're out there. You know they can come from any source. You know they can come from anywhere. And oftentimes false ways look very appealing and glamorous but they lack substance and longevity. Real truth endureth forever. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. Can you say, as the psalmist said, can you have this desire in your heart? He says, lead me in thy truth and teach me. Do you want to be taught by God? He's still learning. He's still a student under his word. Do you have an attitude of wanting to be taught? Teach me, God. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me some more. I, 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 I'm not content with what can, where I'm at. I want some more, God. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and testimonies. You know, you can't expect safety without following the rules. 
keep his covenant testimonies. Let's go with safety and following the truth. Because truth, unfortunately, comes with opposition. And that's where it takes us to verse 2, beware. Beware. Do you, do you notice it with me? Would you look there, please? Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Beware. 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 Paul is saying, hey, beware. This is not for the mailman to be careful about the dog that's coming out to get him because he's delivering the mail. As a young person, I delivered newspapers. And every house, actually, back in the day, used to get a newspaper. How many of you got a newspaper back in the day? All right, we're all showing our age. But uh, I enjoyed throwing those newspapers because that means that every newspaper that was being thrown, I was one house closer to the route being done. But there's that one house, that mean old lady that had the mean old dog. And somehow her personality got into that dog, or that dog's personality got into that lady. And it really wasn't a beautiful-looking dog. I know there are beautiful-looking dogs, but there also are some ugly-looking dogs. And this was one of those ugly dogs that had a way of either hating me or the newspaper that I was delivering to his house. And so unkind of the, of the lady, every time, without fail, she would leave her door unlocked and let that dog come out of her house and running to me. And I would, I would just think about how I had to get to that house, and I was going to be as fast as I could. That was going to be the most accurate newspaper I'd throw with that, at that house. And one of these many times, it might not be so accurate. It might just happen to hit that dog. I don't know. <laughs> but the thing of it was... I cringed on thinking about how that dog at some point was going to either get my bicycle tire or if I was walking that day, it was going to be nipping at my heels and I was going to have to make a run for it and hope that I could make all the rest of the newspapers of the rest of the houses that I, as I was running away from the dog. But you get my point. Paul is saying this, though. These, this, these aren't people. I mean, excuse me, these, these aren't, do these aren't uh, dogs. These are actually people. And, and so why is he calling them such a... Why is he not mincing with his words? Why is, he, why is he going so abrupt with this? He's trying to expose false doctrine. And he's strongly warning against Christians and believers strongly against it. It's finally my brethren. This is what's happening to Paul. Paul would preach, and then right behind him would come some people that would say, what Paul just preached is not true. And Paul knew it's safe because I gave you the word of God. I gave you truth. And if, and if you can stand on truth, being the Word of God, then you're, you're able to be confident that God has begun a good work and you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ because He's working on you through the Word of God, His Word, the truth. And so then you say, beware of these others that come in. Matter of fact, would you take your Bible and turn to Acts 20? Acts 20, please. And you'll see how they were barking and biting. and It's as if they, as if they were on the heels of Paul and what he had just said. Acts 20, verse 29. I want you to see this. Acts 20, verse 29. And then we'll go back to Philippians. But you notice these words. It says, Acts 20, verse 29. Paul writing this as well. He says, For I know this, that after my departing, after my departing, Paul's gone. Here come these people in to try to take away from what truth had been preached from the Word of God that Paul had given to the people of God. 
After my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, and not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking for perverse things. Why? Why are they doing all this? To draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone, night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Paul, how do you feel about this? Well, that didn't matter. What Paul said is, I want to make sure that y'all are careful. I'm telling you, beware. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Beware of what's trying to bring falsehood in. Beware of perverse things. And this is what you do about it. You get closer to God. You get closer to His Word. Verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God. I love that and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. Paul says, this is what you do. Hey, they're coming in after my departing. So run to the word of God again, yourself. Get to God and to the word of His grace. Get back to truth and what God's word is in your life. Beware, they're like wolves. They attack the passerby. They feast on garbage. They, they get caught up in what's seen of men. They get caught up in not following the truth of the word of God. They get caught up in what things don't matter. He's saying, beware, watch out. Constantly look out for this. Don't get entangled with it. Evil workers, Philippians 3, those who bring mischief, stir up trouble. They talk bad about God, God's ways, God's people. They talk bad. They're, they're bringing mischief. Beware of the concision. Those who follow the law have all the rules down, but don't have a heart for God. Those who have outward signs, but no inward substance. Paul's saying, beware. There's going to be some who boast of their religion, yet they lack in their relationship with God. Beware those who put emphasis on works of man over God's goodness and grace and what His finished work on the cross did. Beware. Beware of those who just say they're following the law and they've forgotten completely about grace. It takes both law and grace. Beware those who put trust in their works of the flesh over God's work. Beware, and this is how you deal with it. This is how you combat the danger. This is what you do. Get into the truth and let it take over you. Verse 32, and now, brethren, I commend you to God. Go to God. Get to God and to the word of His grace. What is that? To the word of His grace is what God has given you. And look what happens, which is able to build you up. It's all right. The word of God has enough to help you. It'll build you up. It'll give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Man, that's good. It's almost like Colossians 3, 123. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, same thing again. You've already heard it. But be grounded and settled. See, true relationship is inward, not outward. True communion with God is more spiritual than physical. Beware, beware, beware. People who are caught up in the flesh, not the spirit, beware. Verse 3, Philippians 3. Would you turn back there with, with me, please? Philippians 3. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ. Get into the truth. Let it take over you. And here's one of the signs of the faith. You're going to worship God in the Spirit. You're going to rejoice in Christ Jesus. You're not going to have confidence in the flesh. No, no confidence in the flesh. Verse 3. Here's one of the signs of our faith. 
genuine faith in Christ, genuine faith, one of the signs of the faith is we're going to worship God in spirit. We heard a great message last week from our pastor, didn't we? Sure did on uh, what's your story? The lady, the woman at the well. In verse 23, John 4, it says that the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. True worship is spirit-guided. True worship is inundated and encompassed with truth. Boy, there's safety in following the truth. Let's go! Safety in following the truth. Because truth brings direction and guidance. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Hey, you want to know what to do tomorrow? You want to know what to do the rest of the day? It takes doing what you know today from the truth. Amen. But we've got to be in the truth. It's given to us. Philippians 3, verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Verse 17 of Philippians 3, it says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. You know, others are going to come along and follow that truth if you and I are following that truth. It's going to take, you know what it's going to take? You following the truth. Me following the truth. One of the prayers of my heart, one of the prayers that I pray every day, and God, God help me to continue to pray this prayer, that my children will walk in truth. Boy, I want that for their life. I want it for all the days of their life. And I want that they stay true to that. It's no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And that's what God wants for all of us. And He's plenteous in mercy and in truth. He's got all we need. Don't you want to give someone Jesus so that they can experience Jesus, to spend time with them, and so they know what it's like to be with Jesus, and that the truth can set them free indeed? He's the way, the truth, and the life. You know, there's that little song, just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I understand what they're trying to say, but I don't really like it. You know why? Because I don't want it to be just a little talk. I don't want it to be just a little Jesus. I want my kids, I want myself, and I pray that you want this as well, to get as much of Jesus as we can. Let's go! Because I don't have a little Jesus. And I want to have safety and fall in the truth. Number two, satisfaction, not limited. If we're going to go, let's go with safety and fall in the truth. Let's go with satisfaction, not limited. So satisfied with Jesus, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You'll find that in the book of Philippians. The whole book of Philippians is known to be a book that encourages us to rejoice in Christ. You know, happiness doesn't depend on what happens. Did you catch that? Happiness doesn't depend on what happens. Joy is not dependent on the circumstances of your life. Happiness comes to us from without. Joy wells up from within. It's so interesting, the timing of Paul's letter to these people. He's saying, beware. He's saying all these things to the, the church of Philippi. And he's saying this when they're going through a difficult time. They're going through major difficulties in their life. They're being persecuted by the government. They're enduring tax from false teachers and, and falsehood. And it's abounding. And on top of that, they're financially and physically very, very poor. So much so that Paul, as you read the book of Philippians, only four chapters... 
But if you were to read the book of Philippians, you'll notice and see that Paul says, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm thankful and I'm so grateful that you're taking care of me, but I don't even know where you're coming up with the funds and I don't even know how you're doing it. But thank you that you are because he knows how poor they are. He knows how, how physically poor they are, how financially poor they are. And Paul is saying this, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. You know, I'm so thankful today that it's not that we have to rejoice in our circumstances. Because, man, circumstances can be good, they can be bad, but it says in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And I'm so thankful we have the Lord. Do you have the Lord today? If you had the Lord yesterday, you still have the Lord today. If you had the Lord today, you'll still have him tomorrow. And rejoice in the Lord. And so, can you imagine this, this letter coming to, to the people of Philippi? What about Lydia? You know, the seller of purple, whose home had been flung open to that missionary named Paul. Had no clue who he was. But then when she opened it up, she found out about Jesus from Paul. And her household received Christ because of Paul being able to share the gospel and had won, won the Lord by him. Maybe What about that slave girl? Remember that slave girl that had been set free from the shackles of sin by the ministry of Christ using Paul? Paul, this same, same one who's writing this letter, to, to the people of Philippi and the brethren rejoice in the Lord. And they, they're not seeing much rejoicing taking place around them. They're not able to rejoice very easily with the, when they look at their conditions and their circumstances. They're poor. They're, they're struggling. They're going through a hard time. People are against them. False teachers and false workers and all kinds of things are difficult in their life. What about that jailer? Remember the jailer that Paul sat in prison with and heard Paul sing and I don't know how well Paul sung, but he, he sung well enough to be able to talk to him about Jesus. At least he was singing about his Lord, and he was rejoicing the Lord. And they came to Christ as a result of seeing Paul. And, and maybe just the fellow laborers that Paul had been with, you know, through thick and thin, maybe they, they were in on this letter. I, I would imagine so. And this letter starts to get read in this first chapter of Philippians 1 and 1 through 4. It starts to get read, and you see the, you'll see the word joy. It comes up. Verse 4, it says, joy. And I imagine that jailer just perking up and saying, hey, I know how Paul can sing in prison because of who he is rejoicing in. I've heard him for myself, and, and maybe once again for the thousandth time or the hundredth time or however many times the jailer testified of how he received Jesus and how he trusted in Christ because he had heard Paul rejoicing in the Lord in prison. In prison. Not like the prisons we have today. Much, much worse. And how Christ had made a change in his life. And then so, when this is talked about, finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord, it's actually kind of like Paul is saying, let's go! Rejoice in the Lord! Let's do it! Let's go! And we can rejoice in the Lord. And it's because the person we're rejoicing in. Can I remind you, he's giving you salvation. Can I remind you that Paul had a change in his life? Oh, Paul can say this, I was blind, but now I can see. Look at his blindness, would you? Sometimes we get blinded by these same things again. Blindness of thought. Verse 4, he's confident in the flesh. He says, hey, don't have confidence in that flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Verse 4. Why? Well, verse 5 kind of gives an explanation. It tells us how and why. It circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews is touching the law of Pharisee. I mean, quite the resume here. 
quite the list concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteous, which is in the law, blameless. Notice verse 7, though it says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. His boast was now in Jesus Christ. His wounds had paid his ransom. I think too many today are trying to fix themselves before they come to Jesus. No, you need to come to Jesus and let him do the fixing, if I may, and let him fix you after you come to Jesus. Because the Christian that comes to Jesus, it was a time in their life they came to him. That's why they became a Christian. And Christian, by the way, let him continue to fix you still. There's still work to be done that Jesus can do in our life. He tells how bankrupt he was in verse 8. He says this, though, yea, Dallas, and I count all things. He's still counting. You look at that word count, it's, it's still going on. But lost for the excellent knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, it's almost like he was bankrupt. But he's saying, no, literally, I've gained everything. When I gained Christ, and I, I, when I took Christ, I, man, it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Matter of fact, so much so that I want to continue to know him and get to know him better. Verse 8, it says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but, not, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, he is my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Sounds kind of bankrupt. And do count them but dung. That's pretty bad. That I may win Christ. All those things don't matter. Matter of fact, there's a description about those things that I'm given that it's, it's, it's gross. So much, I'm trying to get the point across to you that Christ is all gain and everything else doesn't matter as much as Christ matters. Let's go. You realize who you have, verse 9, through faith. Be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness of God by faith. Man, when this happens, personal satisfaction has no limit. Personal satisfaction has no limit. Verse 12, would you notice please with me? It says, not as though I had already attained. Well, there's some humility to this. By the way, for you to realize where you're at sometimes takes a lot of humility. If you don't want to stay in the state and the condition and the place where you're at. No matter the age, no matter who you are, no matter what's happened in your life, this is talking about being apprehended. You know what being apprehended is. Hopefully you didn't experience that this week, but it's when the police get a suspect and they apprehend him and they catch him and they pull him and, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they say, we're going to cuff him, right? None of you experienced that this week. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but that's being apprehended. You're being a suspect. You're being captured. And thank God I was pulled away and from eternity that could be spent in hell. Thank God that there was a pulling in my heartstrings to the gospel. Thank God that he brought about new creation, left the old nature and old creation back, and he pulled me away from that and got me out of that. And, and, and I'm not going to spend eternity in hell. Thank God that he captured me. Thank God that I'm apprehended. New birth. Old birth left a... Uh, left a uh, Way, out, way, way away from me. Gone. Forever. Gone. Owe my life to Jesus. All to him I owe. Sin and left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Let me say this. Don't forget where you came from, but press on. Let's go. See who I have been attained by, I'm going to attain to. I hope you caught that this morning. In other words, God has got a hold of me, and I'm going to get a hold of God. 
Because God's got a hold of me, I want to get a hold of as much as God as I can. I want to get to know Him better, and I want to find out the excellency of the, and, and that knowledge of Him. And I want to win Christ, and I want to gain Him all the way that I can gain Him. So I'm not personally satisfied with where I'm at. Are you? Are you personally satisfied with the fact that, well, I came to church today. Thank God you did. But Paul is saying, no, I'm not going to sit, I'm going to run. Paul's saying, I'm not going to be a spectator, I'm going to be a participator. Paul's saying, I'm not going to do something for God because I only have so much time on this earth. This is the difference of Paul. Paul is saying, not, I can't wait till I get out of this sin-sick, lost world. And man, this world is so bad. And he's not complaining about the world. Man, this world, is, it is just filled with wickedness and it is so horrible. And we got false teachers and we got false workers. And we got all these things that are happening. It's like the beware of the dogs. It's like they're nipping at our heels and they're barking, they're biting me. They're talking bad about me. No, Paul is saying, I only have so much time on this earth and I want to win Christ and I want to gain him and I want to tell as many people as I can. Matter of fact, I'm not even content and I'm so, so much so there's, there's been eagles that fly to other countries that I want to get to those countries and I want to tell them about Christ because let's go! And he's saying, hey, I'm not done because God's not done. And God's not done with me. He's still on this earth. So when I get to see God and I get to see him face to face, well... That'll be in His presence, but right now I want to get in His presence while I'm on earth too. I don't want to miss out on what God has for me right now on this earth because it's not a matter of, well, it'll all get better when Jesus comes back. And when I get to heaven one day, then everything will be okay. No, it's going to be okay right now because i got to rejoice in the Lord. And I have Jesus. I have God. And I'm learning as much as I can about Him, so much so that I want to be going to His excellency and to the power and to know Him and the power of the fellowship of His suffering. Let's go. Is what Paul is saying. I'm going to press on. The power of his resurrection. Be made conform one of his death. And so it's not a chair, it's a race. It's not just, oh, it doesn't matter. No, it's a high calling, he says. This, this, is, this is a big deal. Matter of fact, so much so, he says, there's a mark. I'm going to press toward that mark. Philippians 3:14. What is that mark? That mark's not a stick, it's not a stake. He's, he's kind of referencing that as a race and running. But he's talking about this. He's saying, the mark is this, that I want to know Christ as best as I can know him right now, today. Not, well, I, I got, no, forgetting those things which are behind. That means whatever age you are, forgetting those things which are behind, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. There's, there's going to be something happening. Let's go doing this. He's saying this, it's not the continents, but it's the Christ in those continents that I want to get to those continents. He's, he's saying the vision of the Lord lay behind the vision for the lands. He's saying it's not the map, but the master. You realize at this time that Paul had already evangelized a considerable segment of the Roman Empire. And by this time, Paul had touched two continents for Christ. Continents now. This is not just, you know, your street, not just your neighbor. Continents for Christ. But he's saying there's more untouched yet. There's more places to still go. The task is still unfinished. And there's one thing I got to do. I got to forget those things which are behind. I got to press. I got to reach forth. I got to go. I got to run. I got to reach something happening. Here's the difference. Paul was not resting on his present, or excuse me, his past laurels, but his present service. I wonder this morning, are you and I, is our present service matter more than our past laurels? The good old days. Let me tell you about the good old days. I'm thankful for the good old days. We wouldn't have this church, this place. We wouldn't even be standing up here. We wouldn't even, there wouldn't even be th any thought 
to being an open Bible. But you know, open Bible is the Bible being open. And I thank God for even our name because here's the thing, we're to press forward. Amen. Let's go. And it's not just a celebration, it's to really get to know God as best as we can. That's the whole idea. That is the mark. You want to go to the mark? That's the mark. The mark is found in verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the mark is to know God. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. And then what happens? Verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. Hey, if you're spiritually mature enough to handle this today, if I'm spiritually enough mature to handle this today, then let's just be thus minded. Let's just do it. Let's have not just our thinking, but our walk. Verse 16, since we've attained this, we've already got this, we've already received it, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing because our satisfaction with Christ and our service for God should have no limit because we want to get to know God and do more for God. I don't know about you, but I, I pray I don't become content with what I'm just doing today, but that I move on to tomorrow pressing toward that mark. God, I want to know you, I want to know you more. God, I want to tell you more. There's a lot more people to seek and know and hear about Christ to know what that's like. Let's go. With safety and following the truth, let's go with satisfaction, not be being limited. But let's, what we're going to do for Christ and how we're going to get to know Christ better. Would you agree with me? Let's go! Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.